0: Hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Sock Takes Pod. This is episode 56. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I am your host, Kevin Johnston. Alongside me is my co-host, Nipun Chopra, st- staff writer at Sock Takes. Nipun, what's going on, man?
1: It's been a long time since I was on the pod. I feel like it's been probably like three months okay. since I was on the yeah. Sock Takes
0: Pod. Who are you?
1: I know. I, I don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. <laughs> but I'm very excited about our guest tonight.
0: Absolutely. And we have uh, a guest making a second appearance on the show. Uh, I encourage you, first of all, to go back and listen to episode 46 of the Sock Takes Pod if you get a chance to do that, because our guest today, Cindy Sparrow, NPSL Managing Director, um, guested on that episode. We covered a lot of her background um, in the game, her career at Wall Street. So we probably won't get into too much of that today to to not be redundant, but we're thrilled to have Cindy back on the show. Cindy, thanks so much for joining us, and how's it going?
2: Good. Thank you both for having me.
0: Our pleasure. So let's just jump right into it. we got a few questions of our own and also some Twitter questions to get to. So, uh, first of all, you just uh, finished up. Of course, you were no stranger to the NPSL, but it was your first year as the managing director. So how did you enjoy the 2018 season in your first year as managing director, Cindy?
2: Thank you. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it was such a great experience for me. I'd been with the league for a long time, um, first on the board of directors as the treasurer for several years. And then I was the um, I was the director of operations for a while when there was no managing director, so I was kind of the, the the lead person, but in a very different capacity. So it was very exciting, and and it was a lot of fun, honestly, to get to know the teams a lot better, get to know the ownership groups, um, to be a part of the you know national championship, um, and I think overall, you know, we had 98 teams, very successful year um, some great competition. So yeah, overall it was, it was a fantastic experience and different from, you know, five, or six years ago, we, we have, you know, some more staff, we had a lot more coverage, media coverage. Um, you know, we have people dedicated to operations and to working on expansion. So definitely the actual season, um, was a lot different than my first experience several years ago. We have a great staff and a, a great board of directors and I had a lot of fun.
0: And what was maybe the biggest curveball thrown your way in your first year as managing director?
2: Uh, let's see. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge with this league, and I think it, it popped up again and again is, you know, it's the, um, it's, it's kind of getting getting the new teams you know up to speed and and used to the drill and and how to interact with their you know their fellow team you know their fellow members and their fellow business partners and it's also figuring out the right ways to um you know help teams along that maybe you know maybe struggling a little bit or maybe trying to navigate you know a change in coaching staff or a change in management so there there are a couple of situations where um you know what was was a little bit i wouldn't say surprising but just a, a little bit challenging to really dig deep into some of these teams with 98 teams you know getting really involved with their operations and involved with their you know management structure and and helping them through some difficult times so they can come out successful on the other end
1: cindy uh first of all thanks for joining us um there's something I've been wanting to ask you, so as KJ asked, uh, you've been with uh, in, in your current position for six months, I think uh, April 14th is when you were officially announced. Um, with the NPSL and with most of American soccer, it definitely seems to be a boys club. Uh, most of the owners, if, if I'm not wrong, uh, most, if not all NPSL owners are male, uh, and your job right now is to work with these owners some of them not very used to hearing the word no uh, and you're kind of shepherding them into making decisions that benefit the league has that been a challenging navigation for you given most boys club clubs can be notoriously skeptical of qualified women such as yourself asking them what to do or telling them what to do
2: Mm -hmm. so um for me the good news is I've been a member of the boys club, in quotes, like my whole career. So, um, so and, and I, and I'm, you know, say that in jest, but it really is, it really is true. And it's, it's one of the reasons that I think I, I've been able to, to navigate this um, because it is difficult. So, you know, coming up from, you know, a Wall Street type of environment, there were many times where I was the only woman in the room, only woman in the boardroom. Um, I also have a, a board position on, um, on New York Athletic Club and um, you know we', ha- we we're just we have a woman vice president now but we've never had a woman president and the majority of that board is, is men so um, so I am used to that environment and I credit a lot of the a lot of the, the male managers and male mentors in my life with preparing me for this and I still reach out to of them very often when I have, you know, trying situations and things that, you know, I need advice. So I, am definitely a believer also in reaching out to your network, um, and no matter what management position you're in, if you're in lower management or if you're the, you know, the CEO of a fortune 500 company, um, I believe in a network, I believe in getting advice and people that you trust. So, um, I think, you know, I have absolutely been in situations where I've been on the phone with maybe, you know, someone that doesn't know me that well, or uh, maybe, you know, a prospective owner of a new team, and we'll be having the conversation. And I'm familiar with the tone, you know, I've heard it all my life. You have the tone and you get the tone, and then I'll, you know, I'll say something or bring something up or reference something where then the tone changes. And that's when you know that you've gained respect or you've, you've made some kind of um, you know, penetration into the person you're talking to's mind. Um, and I don't even know if that's really, I mean, I'm coming from a, a woman's perspective, but I don't even know if that's gender-specific. You know, I'm sure that happens with men talking to other men in more senior positions or, you know, or you know, with women as well. So I think it's just something you learn over time to navigate. And overall, I've, I have found that the, the um, you know, it helps that I have a soccer background as well and I can talk the talk and walk the walk in terms of soccer and I have a good, you know, a, a good playing experience. But overall, I found that the men in this league are supportive and, um, you know, they, they're accepting and I've, I've never felt like I've been on the outside. I can honestly say that. So it's a credit to the league. So uh,
1: to kind of follow up on that, do you think um, American soccer, and we can use the NPSL as an example, but I guess it's a broader conversation. Uh, do you think it's conducive to hiring women, uh, maybe women who aren't uh, as comfortable as being being a part of the boys' club, because you know not not everyone can be. So I'm curious if you think uh, the the way the soccer biz, so to speak, is set up, uh, is precluding qualified women from being a part of this system.
2: I don't think it has to do with the way it's set up or the structure of American soccer or, you know, how the different, you know, affiliations work and how US soccer works. Um, I, I don't think it's set up that different that would preclude women or any other group more so than any other. Um, I think obviously, there are certain industries that are more male dominated. Sports is one of them. Wall Street is another one. Um so I think just in that sense, um, you know any 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 woman that's advanced to any certain you know level of success will will tell you like sometimes you do have to be a little bit better, a little bit tougher, a little bit more knowledgeable and really do your homework because it is that, you know, there is like a piece of that gaining respect that you just have a little less of when you walk in the room and someone doesn't, doesn't know you and sees a woman in a position where they wouldn't expect them to be knowledgeable and good. And I think that's, that's what's changing in this country overall in a positive way is I can tell you, you know, 20 years ago, the expectation was a lot lower of women, you know, you you'd walk in a room with all men and it was like, you know, you almost felt the eyes rolling behind your back. It's not like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Now it's, um, you know, I think men and and especially the younger generation are getting a lot used to working alongside women or a lot more accepting. Um, So I, 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 you know, to, to go back to the original question, I don't think it has to do with soccer or U S soccer or structure or anything like that. I think it's just, um, you know the way of the world, and there are some industries that are more male-dominated, some that aren't. But overall, the tide is rolling in the right direction.
0: And Cindy, the NPSL recently has been discussing the formation, possibly, of an NPSL Pro League. Uh, what is the the latest status update you, could, you can give us on that?
2: So um, I'll preface it with saying that anyone involved in any conversations about um, you know, some of our more confidential product pro- projects have signed a non-disclosure agreement, so I just want to preface my answer with that so I can talk about it to a limited degree. Um, but what I'll say is that, you know, the league overall, when we have you know, we're, we're a league of members, right? So we have 98 members, board of directors, it's, you know, very um, autonomous and membership run. So when interests bubble up from the league, whether it's Um, wanting to play a longer season, whether it's wanting to, you know, start another division, whether it's wanting to even start a lower division or get, you know, more into different aspects outside soccer. Um, Those are all things that we, as me as a manager and our board of directors have to consider, right? It's our, our duty to consider those things. So to the extent that we've had teams and members of the league come to us and say that they're looking for different products for the lead to offer, we then have to make a decision whether or not we're going to, you know, embark on a project to offer that particular product or not. So, um, you know, basically that's, that's how we would approach um, anything like that. So if teams are asking for something, we're going to explore it. And that's pretty much how I have to leave it.
0: And there's the 2018 NPSL AOM meeting in Minneapolis coming up, which ties into a Twitter question we got from Minneapolis city SC. Uh, they want to know, um, if you're looking, how excited are you for the AOM meeting? And to tie in one of my questions, uh, will this potential, we'll call it a potential NPSL pro league be, uh, obviously the main point of discussion at these meetings.
2: Um, so to, ask, so to answer part one, yeah, we are excited. This is the first time that the annual owner's meeting has been in the Midwest at a Midwest city for as long as I can remember. I remember it was like, you know, Atlanta, New York, San Diego, Orlando, New Orleans. So I, I actually remember when we were in the Midwest last. So so that's exciting. Um, the prospect of snow and cold weather is not as exciting, but, um, you know, we actually... Uh, looked at the way we approached the location for the AOM is we had teams from the Midwest submit submit different, you know, submit bids and kind of make their case for their city. And, um, you know, one of many, you know, and, and all the cities had had very positive things. But one of the things that we were joking about on the phone was that Minneapolis City has a network of like, um, you know, where you can go from building to building. The words escaped me like bridges, like covered bridges, sky skywalk. <laughs> that's the word skywalks that go that you could almost get anywhere in like the main city center without going outside <laughs> so that was one thing that they that they told me but that's that's all they you know that's not the reason why we were um there were a lot of things we considered, but yeah we're so excited to go there that at the AOM is always you know it's it's business um but it's also fun Uh, I don't see people, you know, a lot of the teams, I never get to see them in person except once a year. You know, I try and get out to games and I, uh, I talk to people on the phone all the time, but you know, a lot of times, um, you know, I just don't get to meet people. So I get to see everyone, all the new teams will be um, coming out there. We'll have a, you know, a new team meeting um, the night before the AOM starts. So, um, and in terms of, of, uh, of, you know, any projects that we're working on, um, you know, it'll be part of the discussion, but it won't be the main part of the discussion. I mean, we'll dedicate some time to strategy with something like another division or another league would fall into strategy and vision and what our five-year plan is. And we will absolutely dedicate time to that. But other than that, and we're going to talk a lot about, um, you know, we'll go over the budget, we'll go over finances, we'll go over corporate structure, we'll have elections, uh, we'll hear from sponsors, we'll, you know, talk about, um, media streaming, so there's a whole gamut of things. So definitely, one topic never dominates.
1: So if you thought we'd let you off the hook with NPSL Pro easily, you were wrong because that's the question I have to deal with. That.
2: Look, it's frustrating. I, it's frustrating for me not to be able to talk about. We're, we're working on several projects right now. Like we have, you know, we, we had a retreat back in back in August in New York where one of the main focuses we had on our board retreat was our strategy and our five-year plan. Um, and I'm excited about so many of the things that we talked about. There were, there were like three or four major things that we wanted to leave that meeting to explore, um, you know, but I have to, you know, I have my duty to the members and to the league, but I'd love to tell you all about all, all of them. Um, but go ahead, you can uh, you can ask away. I just uh, I, I I'd love to tell you, but I have to keep the the league's uh, priority first.
1: <laughs> very very uh, simply, uh, you mentioned that, uh, and this is well known that uh, interested parties, and uh, I was given a list of those, which I shared on Twitter. Uh, I won't name them here because I I think it's unfair to you. But um, so the, obviously the owners have signed NDAs, as you said, but has. Have you had to sign NDAs? Has the league has to uh, has league have league personnel uh, have had to sign NDAs about these uh, putative projects?
2: Well, it depends on the project. So, if it's appropriate, you know, people we'll sign non-disclosure agreements for for not for any project that we're doing that is considered you know highly confidential. Sure. So, for- so there's been a couple of cases in the past when we've done that.
1: So more directly, this, this particular thing we're talking about, and who knows what it's called, but you know generally what we're talking about with NPSL Pro. Did the, did the league personnel also have to sign uh, NDAs for that?
2: Yeah, so I, I can't say specifically what projects we would sign NDAs for, unfortunately. Okay, fair enough.
1: Um, so one more question on NPSL Pro, because I have to ask. Uh, <laughs> uh, When can we, when will we hear something? Because I think uh, fans of clubs like uh, Detroit City FC, Chattanooga FC, uh, other clubs who are directly impacted by uh, this exciting project are very interested in knowing when they can hear an update. So do you have a timeline?
2: So I'm so sorry, any, any of these confidential projects that we work on, the timelines are also confidential. Fair enough.
1: Okay, so let's move away from NPSL Pro because you're uh, really good at uh, protecting that information. Um, so at takes we wrote an article about NPSL team turnover. Uh, longevity, actually, is the right word, um, where we calculated that uh, if we look across the board, across the last 15 years of the NPSL, uh, the median time that teams stick around or are active in the NPSL tends to be around two years. Um, I have no idea if you read the article, but if you have, I'd love for you to respond to it. Or, uh, and if you haven't, I'm curious uh, what steps NPSL might be taking to prevent or to uh, to uh, increase the longevity of uh, NPSL clubs.
2: Um, yeah. So um, Gary and I spoke a little bit about the article. I I to be perfectly honest. I haven't read it. Um, That, that time frame does surprise me a little bit. Um, You know, I I guess you can dive into the data and figure out what, um, you know, how it was calculated and over what time frame and all that stuff. But, um, but I can say this, um, just, you know, generally, I don't, and I've, I've said this before, I don't remember if it was on this interview or, or another, but I don't necessarily believe that a certain level, certainly not a a detrimental level, but a certain level of attrition of teams is, is not a bad thing at all. And I think that's true for a soccer league or for, for any business, right? So drawing a little bit from past experience, like when I worked for, you know, the, the investment bank that I worked for, you know, a bunch of years ago, um, We had a specific initiative to, um, you know, have performance plans for the the bottom, you know, 10 to 15% of employees because the thought was that, you know, it's a, it's a way that you upgrade, you know, if you can manage out, um, you know, your, your lower performers, you can, um, you know, then when you, you rehire, you hire your overall upgrading the staff. But another important point to that, and I think it's analogous to a soccer league or to anything else, is there is a performance plan in place there. So we don't look to aggressively, like, you know, manage out teams. We try and teams that may be struggling, like I you know referenced before, we try and get in there and work with them and try and make them successful. Um, you know, but certain teams, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, 100 teams or 10,000 employees there's never going to be a hundred percent success rate and there shouldn't be. Um, So I think, you know, losing a certain amount of teams every year is, is acceptable. You want to manage that. And then what you want to do on the other side is you want to constantly upgrade the teams that are coming in. So I can definitely say, you know, over the last couple of years, the teams that we've seen come in have been of a higher quality have been um more able to meet the standards and we're getting better and better, you know, management teams coming into the league. And I think that's, you know, what we've, we as a league have to decide what we want to be and what level we do want to get up to as well. Right. Um, and I think we're working towards that. I don't think we've reached the quality that we want to reach across the board and across the whole league. But we're definitely, our average is going up every year, and we're going to see the same this year. We definitely are going to have some turnover this year. Um, And I've seen the quality of the teams that are coming in, and I believe that we're still on an upward trajectory to increase the overall quality of the league.
0: Let's jump out to a Twitter question from one of our listeners, Joaquin Colon-Nava. He asks... Within NPSL, teams can have drastically different budgets. How do you manage the needs of a variety of teams within NPSL and their different, varying budgets?
2: So, one thing that we've tried to do to level that playing field is, uh, and that is, that is a true statement. Our teams do vary with the with budgets. We have different models for different teams. Some teams, you know, rely heavily on volunteers. Some have bigger staff what we try and do, and I'm, I'm an operations person and a technology person. That's my background. So it's efficiencies and um, you know, leveraging technology is, is kind of my sweet spot a little bit. So what we've tried to do is to enable teams through, you know, process improvements through technology to be, you know, as, as self-service as possible to kind of level that playing field a little bit. So um, you know, the registration process, like we've tried to make that as, you know, least little onerous as possible. So if teams don't have a big staff, like basically a, a team can, you know, register their entire team and manage international clearances and all the paperwork or whatever, really with a part-time employee. Whereas, you know, maybe, you know, a bunch of years ago, you really needed someone dedicated, or you know, the the teams that were able to have a larger staff had more of an advantage with that kind of stuff. So that's what we try to manage too. Like we try and figure out ways to um to use technology, to put processes in place to kind of enable teams to dedicate their resources to other areas if possible. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And another Twitter question from a fellow soccer podcast, Twitter friend of ours. It's the You're Smarter Than Us podcast. They ask, what can will NPSL do to connect regions with other regions that have little exposure to what is happening elsewhere? For example, um, how uh, a team like Asheville City SC could play Minneapolis City or Stockade FC uh, in a friendly or something like that. So I guess essentially what they're yeah, asking so, is, uh, uh, you know, the focus is always kind of regional to cut costs, but, um, kind of, you know, uh, distance, uh, friendlies and whatnot.
2: Right. So, um, so we, so we are regional, right? We have 13 conferences. That's the way we're structured with four regions. And then we have, you know, this whole, you know, playoff structure where we get to the end and have the national championship. Um, but we do have, you know, we do encourage teams and support them doing friendlies. Um, we had the, the, I guess you could call it a, a derby or a switch with, with Detroit and Chattanooga, where they played each other. Um, and we try and also facilitate that at the at the AOM and support that. But but we do, as a league, like we also, um, you know, recognize that the teams are, are independent. They make their own relationships and they do a really good job of having friendlies and going and playing each other um, than even, you know, sometimes playing teams from, from other leagues. And we also have teams that do a lot of international stuff. Um, So, yeah, I think that um, we support that. We don't have, um, you know, a particular program to match teams up because I think every situation is different. You know, certain teams have certain budgets where they could fly somewhere. Certain ones don't. A lot of them look for teams that are not in their conference, but maybe in, but may still be regional that they can play in the off season.
1: Cindy, uh, I was able to interview Joe around uh, about eighteen months ago, uh, and at the time, I just I just had this feeling of deja vu because I felt like I was asking him some of the some similar questions that I'm asking you today, one of which had to do with the stabilization of MPSL and preventing teams from joining other leagues, such as PDA, such as UPSL, such as now USLD3 and possibly NISA. And at the time, he had said that one of the things you guys were considering were changes to the operational agreement to increase the length of, uh, if I remember correctly, increase the length of uh, the term to prevent teams from just being able to leave on a whim. And so I'm curious if, if that conversation has evolved over the last 18 months. And what the league is doing to make sure that you guys are retaining uh clubs and stabilizing clubs and continuing stories like Chattanooga FC and Detroit City FC and preventing teams uh you know preventing other teams that we don't need to talk about because they they're not relevant anymore
2: right so um so i think the, the first so no, I'm like a true market economist kind of person. So I, I believe that if you have a product out there that's high quality and attractive, you know, you, you'll retain your customers, right? And basically for us members or customers. Um, so we put a lot of time and effort into supporting, you know, supporting our members and offering a product that they want to be a part of. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's always going to be teams that, you know, are, go, are going to grow, may grow out of that product either way. Right. They may, as the league gets better and stronger um, and the standards get higher, some teams may decide that they don't want to be a part of, the, you know, it's either t- it's too this or this, too that, or there's too much travel or too little travel or too, you know, whatever, whatever the reason Maybe every business is different, um, you know, and they may leave and, and, you know, as you allude to, you know, teams may wanna go on to, to, you know, bigger and better things. And again, like we try and respond to the demands of the members, right? Um, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a believer that if you can offer a product that's high quality for a good price, meets people's expectations, it's like a customer, right? And you provide good service and a good product, you'll hold on to your members. Do you uh, in, a, in a league like this? Do you necessarily want people to sign, you know, agreements? I think I think there's a balance there, right? So I don't think that's a bad thing or a negative thing. It's definitely something that we have explored and talked about. And you alluded to the fact that you know Joe has has talked about it and been supportive of it because I think that you don't you don't want teams coming in and just, you know, testing out the waters, you know, that you want teams to come in and be committed for a certain amount of years and be committed to their members and look at it as they're joining an organization, joining a family, joining a business. So, um, you know, there's a balance there right now at the moment, you know, we don't, we don't have a consistent agreement across the league that binds people to us. Um, But we have had conversations about, you know how that would evolve, and what we would put together that would protect the league, but also be fair to to members and um, and stabilize, you know, stabilize conferences and regions.
1: So, uh, to kind of follow up on that, when you uh, hear of this, well, I say hear of as if you you don't know about them way better than we do. When when you learn of um, of the stories, like. Birmingham, you know, eventually went to USL, morphed version of NPSL. Memphis, morphed version of NPSL team, joins USL. Uh, Sean McDaniel leaves NPSL board, joins a USL club. Uh, Lansing United leaves NPSL, joins PDL, is now a USL D3 team. So uh, those are just from top of my head, and there are other examples I'm sure that I'm forgetting. When movements like that happen of personnel, of clubs, what is the... What is NPSL's response? Is it a response of, "Hey, this is just a natural progression of things. Some teams are going to leave," or is the reaction that we need to do something different to retain these entities or and
2: or people? Right. So we always want to, like, when you when you lose, you know, when you lose customers, if you lose, you know, if you lose good customers, you always want to understand why, right? Um. So absolutely, when you know we. We spend a lot of time, you know, looking at our competition, our other leagues, what they're doing, you know, things that we, you know, things that you can learn a lot from your competition, right? And what, what they're doing right and what, you know, how you can improve. So yeah, absolutely. Like when teams leave that there's two kinds of teams that leave, like there's a team that leave that you're like, wish they hadn't left. And then there's teams that, that may leave that it's okay that they left, you know, and leave on good terms. So you're always trying to figure out why, you know, why a good team may leave. But again, like, you know, it's also, I don't know that there's always like a decisive answer to that question. You know, you'd have to get inside every single business and figure out exactly what the nuances were and the idiosyncrasies were of that particular business that they had them make a decision to leave and go to the other other league and what you need to do is you need to look at that for for you know cross-section of teams and see if there's consistency because there's never going to be you're not going to be able to solve for every single reason i mean sometimes it's very personal reasons sometimes it might be a you know even like a family relationship or something that drew them you know and, and, and you can't mitigate that so you just you look for the risks that you can mitigate and those are the things that you concentrate on and what do you think
0: is the 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 path forward for the NWSL to achieve increased salaries and the USWNT uh, to increase their salaries as well? What do
2: I think the cost salary is for them? Is that the, I'm sorry, what? The well, can you repeat that
0: question? Yeah, sure. Uh, what are you, what's an idea or ideas you have that uh, could lead for increased salaries for both the NWSL and the USWNT?
2: I mean, I think we have to, you know, we have to figure out a way for soccer to be more profitable in this, in this country, right? I mean, that's what drives, that's what drives salaries. Um, you know, you want to be, you know, you have, you know, gender equality and all that kind of stuff. But I think that, you know, we, we need to figure out a way to engage our youth, um, to have them be more sticky to the game, um, have it be accessible, uh, to all like, you know, all socioeconomic levels, um, and have it be have a broader and more consistent fan base. Because I, again, I mentioned, you know, my, my, you know, my business background, like that's, you know, there are things that, that there's a reason why NFL players make the money they make. Right. Um, so in this country we, we have to figure out a way to make soccer um, more profitable and more sticky. Um and I think we have, you know, we have great players out there that are great role models. I mean, we had, we had them from my generation and we have them now. Um, and I think we, we're moving in the right direction, but it just, it has to keep going. And, and we got one uh, final,
0: oh, sorry. We got one final Twitter question to get out to, you, and then I'll kick it over to you, Napoon. Uh, if you have any uh, final questions for Cindy. It's from Matt Morris. And he asks if uh, the NPSL has ever had any intentions of potentially working with NISA, the NISA.
2: So that's, um, you know, again, like, do we have intentions? I mean, I think there's if there's a business opportunity there, we are open to that. We always were. And that's something that has, that's not exclusive to any one particular league. If there's a business opportunity that we think would benefit the members, it always goes back to the membership, right? And the strength and the stability and the quality of the league. Um, you know, there's, if there's a business opportunity, we would look at it. Doesn't mean we do it, but it mean, definitely means we would look at it.
1: <laughs> Napoon? Yeah, a final question for me. Um, actually ties into kind of what uh, Kevin asked via Matt Norris on Twitter. Um, so obviously you can't talk about NPSL Pro for the NDAs. Let's talk about NPSL as is, as NPSL stands today. Do you think it is able to compete with these, uh, with with uh, what are going to be two Division Three leagues? Next year, do you think the NPSL occupies a different niche than those two leagues, or do you see an an overlap that makes it a problematic uh, ecosystem?
2: I think we have our own space, um, and I, I I love the space we're in actually right now because we're there's kind of those you know there's this, the division one, two, three, and then there's this huge of the, of the pyramid or the pie below that, um, that is, you know, that doesn't currently have, you know, divisions or doesn't have like ways to differentiate. And I feel like MPSL has emerged as the the top of that. Um, and we occupy that space and we're offering something that's accessible, um, that doesn't, you know, the, the MPSL doesn't require any, um, you know, minimum net worth or minimum asset base, um, it's really a place for entrepreneurs and for people that love soccer, want to change the game and want to develop players. So I think the product that we offer is, is you know, sits, sits in a perfect spot for us and we're competitive and, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we're kind of evolving and we're trying to, you know, constantly upgrade our standards and make, um, really make, the league the the place of choice for the amateur player for the player that wants to develop
0: well cindy sparrow npsl managing director is our guest today um a reminder i encourage you to go back to listen to episode 46 this one is episode 56 cindy joined us before and talked about her background in the game and career on wall street um and all things npsl in addition to that so cindy thank you so much for joining us where can our listeners find either you or the npsl uh where can they connect with you or the league on social media and any other plugs you'd like to give
2: oh thank you so much and thank you both for having me and thank you for your support um yeah just hit our website npsl.com and there's links to all our handles facebook twitter and everything else we have a youtube channel and I would love to plug um, our TV show this week in the MPSL, which will have its next episode at our AOM. So we'll do a special episode there to check that out on our YouTube channel. And thank you both so much. The pleasure, fun.
0: Yeah, thank you. And also thanks to my co-host Napoon Chopra. You can find him at Napoon Chopra Seven on Twitter and elsewhere. I'm your host, Kevin Johnston. You can find me at KJ Boxing. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We'll be back next Thursday with a great episode. We have Justin Mapp. Yes, the former USMNT player. Um, Also played for quite a few clubs in MLS. So we're really excited to have him on the show next week. Definitely tune into that. And until then, we bid you farewell and be sure to watch plenty of footy.